In the following live session recording, Lee Taylor, Minister of Outreach, Johnson Ferry Baptist Church, Marietta, Georgia, talks about gospel conversations training. Learn how to train your church members in an evangelism method that is as simple as meeting others in the normal rhythms of life and pointing them to Christ in an encouraging and inviting way. It is called Gospel Conversations. You'll hear how Johnson Ferry Church has ramped up evangelism and how your church can too. This session equips listeners to teach your church members how to transition everyday conversations to gospel conversations. Let's join Lee now. Well, good evening, everybody. My name's Lee, and um, my hope is just to give you some practical tools that you can take back to your church or your ministry. And uh, so the idea tonight is I'm going to train you, and you'll have a tool that you can then turn around and train anybody with. Um, and so uh, if, if you're like our church, we have church members um, that if you ask them the last time they shared their faith that wasn't at VBS or on a sponsored mission trip, uh, it may be a, maybe a few amount of hands. And likewise, if you ask that church staff how long it's been since they shared their faith that wasn't in a church-sponsored event, just in their personal life, you know, at Publix or in the cul-de-sac, um, it may be pretty few as well. And I think part of that challenge is because we just have a hard time figuring out how to take everyday conversations and turn them into gospel conversations without it just being weird or awkward or the bullhorn uh, kind of situation. And so uh, what I'm going to share with you tonight is simply some tools that we've learned from other churches uh, and ministries that have shared their wealth with us. We've taken some of this stuff and kind of tweaked it for our area and our community. Um, and one of the kind of the, the driving force behind this for us was, um, you know, when we look at outreach and if I walk the halls of our church and said, you know, how are we loving our neighbor? You know, we might point to the backpack drive or the food drive or the summer lunch program or the homeless ministry. Um, but if I said, no, how are you loving your literal neighbor? Um, I get kind of confused looks sometimes. And, uh, and we live in kind of a middle to high income area. So uh, our neighbors don't have maybe some of the same needs as, as other folks do. Or if they did, they wouldn't admit it and raise their hand. They'd just get another credit card and go more in debt to kind of keep up appearances, right? So part of this is just how, how do we love our neighbor? And then we realize we need to help our church members see themselves as ministers and on mission right where they live, work, and play. And so we kind of started this neighboring kind of emphasis, uh, live, work, play emphasis. And as our people were kind of being stretched and challenged to kind of see their neighbors and build relationships with their coworkers and golf buddies and tennis partners and um, classmates, then it, it became apparent that we need to give them some tools to help them just take these everyday conversations. And so that's what this is. Um, this is from, uh, if you're familiar with an organization called No Place Left, I encourage you to Google them and, and check them out, or E3 Ministries, and some tools that they were using overseas to help church planning, to help um, the mission cause overseas. And then some of those folks came back to the United States and said, hey, how can we contextualize what we're doing in the United States? And so the result is 
some of the stuff that we're going to share tonight. So today, tonight, we're going to do something that we call 411. So we're going to answer four questions on one piece of paper in roughly an hour, one hour. And, um, and you'll need a partner to, to kind of work with. Trust me, you're going to want a partner because uh, it'll, it'll get really boring if you're just listening to me the whole time. And so you want to interact with somebody. So if you need to move around to get a partner, if, you, if two people will be great. If it needs to be three, that's fine too. Uh, but what I want you to do is take this piece of paper. Everybody needs one of these that's got the four questions on there and just fold it in half like you're making a little booklet. And then by the end of our time, you're going to have filled out this little booklet and this is going to be your tool that later on next week you're going to call a buddy of yours and you're going to say, hey, let's grab lunch or let's grab coffee. I want to show you something. And then you're going to bring two pieces of paper to that meeting. And you're going to show that person how to do 411. And you're going to challenge them to know how to do this as well. And so I'm going to give you a tool that you can encourage and equip your own church members to do this as well. And it'll make more sense as we go along. But this is kind of a train the trainer event, if you will. So uh, let's imagine this is your piece of paper. So at the top, you've got... What's the first question? Why? Why? So turn <clears throat> to your partner and let's look up Matthew 28. Oops, sorry. Okay. 18 through 20. All right. And whatever I write on here, I want you to write on your piece of paper as well. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20. One of you read that to your partner. All right. So who is talking in these verses? Jesus. Jesus. It's a great church answer. When in doubt. And what is Jesus saying? What's the gist of what he's saying? Go. Go and do what? Make disciples. Right? You guys know that. That shouldn't be new news. That's kind of why you're probably here. Gospel conversation training to learn how to do that. But really, this is a call for everybody, right? So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to make disciples. This isn't reserved for just the church staff or the super elite Christians or missionaries. This is for every person in your church body. So if you're a lawyer, if you're a stay-at-home parent, if you're a dentist, if you're a college student... You're called to make disciples. And, and I would say that the beginning of disciple-making happens with evangelism, right? And so having a gospel conversation is a great tool to have to start the disciple-making process. And so we want to help our church be confident and competent in making disciples and having gospel conversations. And we're going to talk about why it's called gospel conversations and not gospel presentation as we go along. We kind of keep that in mind. Now, uh, why should we have gospel conversations? Well, it's part of our identity. So write down identity. And then I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. So write down identity and then write this down. And then if you didn't, if you were the partner that just listened... 
I want you to be the partner that reads 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 to your partner. All right. Good job, everybody. So this is Paul talking to new Christians in the city of Corinth, which if you know anything about Corinth is like Las Vegas on steroids. I mean, it's, it's a it's a very uh, not Bible Belt kind of place. And here are this group of new believers trying to do church, trying to figure out how to live their lives as craftsmen and tradesmen and businessmen and women and live out their faith at the same time. And so Paul is telling them that in Jesus, they are two things. What's the first thing he tells them that they are? In, in Christ, they are new. All right, so write down the word new. And then draw a fun little stick figure. And give that person, you know, like a new car smell about them. So we are new in Christ. The old has passed away, right? Our past is history. We are new because God, Jesus, has reconciled our past, has reconciled our sins, and we are washed clean. What's the other thing he tells us that we are? An ambassador. All right, write down ambassador. Then I want you to draw, you know, a little globe or a basketball, depending on how you draw it. Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ, that we are in the ministry of reconciliation. So if I'm a follower of Jesus, if I just last week trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, then this is my new job description, right? I'm new, and I'm an ambassador. Now, let's think about this for a second. If you're the ambassador for the United States, and you're set up in China, right? So if I'm the ambassador for China, or for the United States, where is my office going to be? In China, that's right, that's correct. It would be silly... For me to set up my office in the White House and wait for all the people of China to come to the United States, right? So I would go over there, I would set up shop. What are some things that I might want to learn? I might want to learn Chinese. I might want to learn how to speak that. What else? What's that? Yeah, one of their thousand languages. At least, at least one of them, all right? Their culture. Yeah, absolutely. I'm probably not going to study Russian. You know, that doesn't help me at all. Because I want to learn the culture. I want to learn the customs. I want to learn what's offensive. You know, how to greet people. Because I'm representing the President of the United States, right? So Paul is saying, hey, same idea. Except we don't represent the President of the United States. We represent the King of Kings. And it would be silly for us to sit in our churches and wait for the world outside to come into the building before we represent Jesus. In fact, we've got to go out to where they are. And we've got to learn the language. We've got to learn the culture. We've got to learn the customs. Everywhere, Paul says, I become all things to all people so that I might save some, right? And that's for everybody that's sitting in your church this Sunday morning that calls Jesus their Savior. 
And so we've got to help them as staff, as ministry leaders, as key leaders, influencers. We've got the job of encouraging and equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so this is a tool that we want to do. So that's the why. Why are we having gospel conversations? Well, because it's part of our identity. It's who we are. I'm an ambassador. If I'm selling ice cream, I'm going to be the best ice cream salesperson in my company. Because I'm not representing just the ice cream company. I'm representing Jesus. And that happens in my front yard. That happens as I'm driving around 285. That happens everywhere I go. I'm an ambassador. And I can be a really good one or a really bad one. But regardless, I'm an ambassador. All right. So that's our identity. So that's the why. And then I want you to flip open your little booklet to the next page, which is number two. And it says what? What's the question? Yeah, what's the question? Uh, you guys are quick. All right. Number two, what? Well, what do I say, Lee, to have a gospel conversation? I mean, I don't know how to do this. And, you know, do I say, hey, sure is hot outside. You know what's hotter? Hell. You know, I mean, it, it, what, what do you do with that? And so I want to teach you three tools. And I want you to think about these tools um, not like in a linear fashion, like it has to be this way, this way, and this way. But I want you to think like you've got a tool belt on, and you've got a hammer, and you've got a saw, and you've got a drill. All right, so depending on what you're working on, you may use them in different order, you may use only one, you may, you know, use them in, in different ways, okay? So the first tool is what I like to call care through prayer. And it's simply, I just look for opportunities in my everyday life to ask, how can I pray for you? This is probably the most powerful question that I found. Um, I can ask this question just about everywhere. When I go out to eat, the waitress brings us our food. She says, is there anything else I can do for you? And I say, nope. In fact, we're getting ready to pray for our food. Is there anything we can pray for for you? When I pull into the oil change place, and the guy's changing my oil, and he says, that should be about it. Anything else, Mr. Taylor? I'll say, no. Thanks for fixing my car. I really appreciate it. Um, before I leave, is there anything I can pray for for you? I mean, you can ask this question to anybody and everywhere. And, um, and, we, and we put this to the test. We sent our staff out one day, and we just drew circles around the city of Atlanta and we just sent teams of four or five and we just said, all we want you to do today is just walk around and just ask people, how can I pray for you? And it was amazing to hear the stories just coming back. And, and my team, we were set up at Marta near, um, what's it called? Linux, not Linux. Anyways. And so uh, we just walk up and down the, the Marta station. And, you know, not trying to be weird or get in people's business or whatever, but if you're just kind of sitting there looking at your phone and not doing anything, we just walk up and say, hey, we don't bug, you know, bug you or anything, but we're just wondering, we're just walking around, is there anything we can pray for for you? 
And we just hear story after story. We're like, yeah, yeah. We have one girl, she says, uh, well, I'm an atheist. I go, okay. But my, my classmate committed suicide at Georgia State uh, yesterday. So maybe you could pray for them. I'm like, yeah. Would you mind if I pray for her right now? Sure. And we prayed. And she stood up and gave me a hug. I've asked grown men, how can I pray for you? And they just, just lose it. I've had some no's. I'm here to tell you, they're the nicest no's you'll ever hear. I've had zero people angry at me because I wanted to pray for them. And it's just amazing because what you're doing is all of a sudden you are inviting the Holy Spirit to be part of your conversation. You've just invited God to be a part of your day. And I get no's, but I'm telling you, I used to say it's like 7 out of 10 would say yes. But I think it's closer to 8 or 9 now. Because oftentimes it's like, no, I'm good. And I'll say, man, life must be great. Well, now that you mentioned it, you know. <laughs> or, hey, I'm fine, but you could pray for my family, my friends, my whatever, you know. And, uh, and I've, I've only had one person say, well, well, wait a minute, who are we praying to? And I said, well, I'm praying to Jesus. And he said, I'm good with that. All right, so... Um, <laughs> So when you pray, be sure that you pray, I always finish, in Jesus' name, right? In Jesus' name, that's who we're praying to and asking to, to step in and, and, and get involved in the situation kind of thing. All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up, put your stuff down. I want you to find somebody that you're not sitting next to, that you don't know. Introduce yourself. I want you to ask them, how can I pray for you? And then I want you to give them a serious answer. Don't pray super long Baptist prayers. And then switch. And then switch. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's keep moving on. Y'all are doing a great job praying. Maybe too good. Uh, and uh, we'll keep it going. All right. So, did anybody uh, get mad at you? No. Anybody throw anything at you? No. I know we're in a church, but I know church people as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think if we can help our, our church members just see how easy this is. And, and if I've learned anything, it, I think for, for me, it's been kind of a two-year journey of just making this an everyday part of my life. And one of the ways that we do this is by trying to create some accountability and keep it in front of us, right? So if I'm a Falcons, you know, football player, and even if I have a good game on Sunday, I'm not telling the coach uh, I'm not coming into practice next week, you know? Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep – Julio Jones keeps showing up to practice, right? Unless there's some kind of trade negotiation. But, uh, but he's going to keep going, right, because he knows the importance of practicing – he knows the importance of showing up and doing the work and getting the timing down and getting down the, the routes just the right way, right? And yet, this is something that we're not doing well in most American churches. 
and just finding ways. So one of the ways that we found is just by asking the question, have you had any gospel conversations this week? So in my weekly staff meeting with our team, just our team um, that I'm with, my boss starts off every weekly staff meeting before we get into the business of the meeting with just, hey, has anybody had any gospel conversation stories? And it was just this quiet uh, the first time he asked that, right? And so he asked the next week. And somebody shared, you know, a story. And then he asked the next week. And pretty soon, everybody caught on like, oh, he's going to ask this question every week. Because he thinks it's something we're supposed to be doing. And if we don't have a story, there's no guilt. We don't point fingers at, you know, Frank and say, Frank, you're a horrible person. You know, why, why not? But what it does is that when I... I I hear somebody else's story, and it may be an incomplete story. Hey, I tried to pray for my butcher, you know, and he got real busy, and it, uh, you know, it didn't go that far. Or, hey, I had this great gospel conversation with my neighbor, and it was fantastic. Uh, good or bad, they're great stories, and they're just a simple way to remind us and encourage us, you know. And just think about when Jesus sent out the seventy-two. And they come back, and some have good stories, and some don't have that great of a story, and, you know, but that's all right. And so I think, you know, so we do that in our weekly staff meeting. We do that with our monthly staff meeting with all of the staff. We're sitting around round tables, eating lunch, and first thing we do is just, hey, just around your tables, let's just share if you've had any gospel conversations and what, what some of those look like. And again, at first, it's pretty awkward. But we've been doing this a year and a half now with the staff, and it's just part of what meetings look like now. And you're hearing success stories, and you're hearing some wins, and it's just becoming part of the culture and the DNA of our staff to the point where now the student pastor, when he takes his students on a mission trip, they're talking about having gospel conversations. And they see... Yes, we're going to do VBS in the DR tomorrow on Monday, but I can have a gospel conversation with the TSA agent. I can have a gospel conversation with the bus driver that drove us to the... I can, I can have a gospel conversation anywhere. And ministry doesn't have to happen just in the organized hour that we kind of point to sometimes. That it's a lifestyle. right? So that's, that's one of the wins for us. Um, and, and just so many great stories of, for me, just I, I've done vocational ministry for 20 years, but I feel like I've grown in my faith in the past two years just by implementing this question. Because I can do a lot of great ministry all week long and get a lot of good stuff done and yet not have any interaction with the outside world and not have any gospel conversations with people that are far from God. So this was a challenge for me. And so... When I pull into the oil change place and Sean White changes my oil, I remember that because I keep thinking that he doesn't look like the snowboarder, but uh, when he changes my oil, I say, Sean, thank you for changing my oil. Can, is there anything I pray for? And he says, yeah, my wife is pregnant. You can pray for that. Great. Let's pray for that. And I pray for him. And then I come back a month or so later with my wife's car. Hey, how's it going? Great. Thanks for taking care of my wife's car. Sean, how can I pray for you? He says, hey, I remember you. You prayed for my pregnant wife, and now we've got a two-month-old. 
and now you can pray for our two-month-old. You know, we got a two-month-old. I don't know how to do this, you know, kind of thing. And I'll get to kind of where we go from there, but I just, I just want you to see it's just everywhere, right? Exterminator comes to our house, spraying bugs. He's passionate about Exterminator. He's got a holster with two guns ready to take care of things, and he goes all over my house. And he comes back out, and he's loading things up, and Steve, man, thanks for taking care of our house. How can I pray for you? Well, my wife left us a year ago, me and the kids. And I don't know what to do. Okay, let's pray about that. I've had people, I, I mean, guy comes out of Whole Foods, and he's like the back supply guy. And he was just kind of taking a smoke break, I'm guessing, as I was walking in. And it was just kind of like the, you know. It's like, man, it looks like a long day. And he's like, you won't believe it. I said, well, man, it's, it's almost Christmas time, you know. Take that and pray for it for you. And he just, just lost it. And if anything, it's just helped me see people. Like, I can just go through my day and just not see anybody. And there's just people in our lives constantly, you know? And I think about that story of the woman with the blood issue, and Jesus had this important mission, this important ministry event. He's about to go raise this kid from the dead, and yet he stops, and he notices. And that's just a, that's been a very convicting story for me of like, oh, I've got this important thing that I've got to do and I can't stop and talk to anybody or, and Jesus may be going, hey, I think you just missed the ministry. So imagine, imagine if, if, if the people sitting in your church this Sunday just, just did this with one person next week. How would that change your church? How would that change your community? Um, it's powerful. So, the second tool is what I call a 15-second testimony. Now, notice I said 15-second testimony. This isn't your 15-minute testimony. This isn't your A&E two-hour special that tells your whole life story. This is a quick testimony of your life before Jesus, when you trusted Jesus, and your life after Jesus, and you're really just trying to get from your story to God's story, okay? So this is kind of the framework. So your life before Jesus, there's going to be an intro, and then you're going to tell them about your life before Jesus. You're going to talk about your decision to trust Jesus. You're going to tell them what life is like now that you've trusted Jesus. And then you're going to ask them a question. <coughs> okay? So the intro that I use sometimes is, I'll say something like, there was a time in my life. So look at your partner and say, there was a time in my life. All right, say it three times. All right. Now I want you to think of two words that would describe your life before you put your trust in Jesus. Two words, not two paragraphs. Two words. 
So my, my story is like this. So I would say, hey, you know what? There was a time in my life when I was religious and a rule follower. And then someone explained to me how Jesus forgave me. And it made me want to follow him. And now my life has meaning. And I feel like I have a relationship with Jesus. Do you have a story like that? That's 15 seconds. Maybe less. Somebody time me. And so my two, my two words here was religious and rule follower. I could have said religious and self-centered or whatever. I'm going to use a hyphen because that makes it one word still. All right. So think about it. Write it down right now. Two words. If you came up with two words, if you wouldn't mind sharing some of those for the rest of us, help us get some ideas. Got a child in need. Like I was a child, eight year old, but I yeah. realized I needed something. Yeah, great. Young and dumb. Young and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. I'm sorry. Church goer. Church goer. That's right. Yeah. Afraid. Afraid. Lost and searching. Like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Friend of mine said self-centered and suicidal. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll make me listen. You know. All right. Think of two words that would describe your decision to trust Christ or around your decision to trust Christ. And, and so for me, I said forgive and follow. We like these words because it kind of puts the focus on that transaction between us and Jesus. In other words, I didn't say, then I started going to church. Or then I started reading my Bible. Like, I want this person to understand, like, something changed when Jesus entered my life. Okay? So you don't have to use those words, but try not to use churchy words either, if you can. And then think of two words that describe your life now after you trusted Jesus. What is, what is life like now? So for me, I put meaning, meaning, purpose, and I think I said relationship. Right? And it doesn't have to always work this way, but I want them to understand that I went from being religious to having a relationship. What are some words that come to mind for you that describe your life now? Satisfied. Forgiven and hope. Forgiven and hope. Yeah. Peace. Peace. Man, peace is a big one. With a lot of people. Content. Meaningful and blessed. Yeah. All right. And then you're going to finish it with this great question. Do you have a story like that? Right? So, I'm talking, is it Kim? Yes. Okay. So, I met Kim, and I don't know. Kim is uh, 
serving me a dozen hot Krispy Kreme donuts from the store. And yes. And uh, we're just hanging out and she says, is there anything else? And I say, no, this is almost like heaven already. And uh, I say, Kim, you know, how can I pray for you? And, you know, her daughter is having surgery. So we pray for Kim's daughter and Typically, after you pray for somebody, they usually say thank you or whatever. And then I'll say, I'll transition from here. And I'll say, hey, Kim, you know, one of the reasons I like praying for people is because there was a time in my life when I thought being a Christian meant being religious and a rule follower. But then I realized that Jesus forgave me and it made me want to follow him. And then now my life has meaning and purpose. And I have like a relationship. And I was just wondering, do you have a story like that? And you don't have to say it like that. You can put it in your own words. You, know, you can say, where, where would you say you are these days? What does your faith look like? Or what do you put your faith in? You, know, you can say it a lot of different ways. All right. So what I want you to do is look at your partner. I want you to try and say this all the way through. There's time in my life when blank and blank and blank and blank and blank and blank. And do you end it with, don't forget the question, do you have a story like that? Okay. Take turns. You can read it. You don't have to memorize it. All right. It was a 15-second testimony. Remember that? Okay. So you should have been done in 30 seconds with two of you. Okay. So, um, yeah. Does anybody want to stand up and share there? Just give it a, give it a good old attaboy try. We won't laugh at you. I promise. I will. Okay. There was a time in my life I was young and just cruising through life. And then I became aware of my sins and was convicted and I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Now I'm forgiven and I have a hope. Has anything like that ever happened to you? Hey, you great. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Somebody else. There we go. There was a time in my life when um, my parents made us go to church all the time. So I grew up a churchgoer. But then I got to know Jesus. I saw him, he became an obsession, and uh, at that point, um, we entered into a relationship, and I just, he just changed my whole life. Do you have a story like that? I do, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. All right, very good. Thank you guys for sharing that. I appreciate that. All right, so <clears throat> the next tool, and so if you notice, we've asked two kind of really good questions, right? So the first question is how can I pray for you? And I'd say, how can I pray for you, Kim? And then I do what? I stop talking. And then I listen. It's very important. Because <laughs> I want to hear what's going on. And how to pray for that person. I mean, the worst thing would be like, well, my you know, kid's in the hospital. And I say, okay, well, can I pray for you? Great. And I don't pray for the kid in the hospital. Because I wasn't even paying attention. Right? So... Listening, and then we dialogue a little. She dialogues and tells me a little bit, and I, you know, say, Hey, there's a time in my life, blah blah blah. Do you have a story like that? So that's my second question, and then I stop and I listen. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that usually aren't going to answer it in a really concise Sunday school kind of way, you know, because this is probably the first time 
that they've ever had to verbalize their faith or put it into words in probably a really long time. Unless they know Jesus. And then they'll be like, yeah, I have a story like that. I trusted Jesus when I was 16. Been growing with ever since. We're super involved at in our church and we love him and trying to grow every day. And then you're like, oh, he's a Christian. Okay. You know. <laughs> and you go, yeah, all right, high five, way to go. And you've just encouraged another believer, right? So that's the great thing is when you ask this question more times than not, you have no idea what God's doing in that person's life before you ask the question. And you have no idea what God's doing after you ask the question, right? You have no idea how God wants to use you. And you think about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuchs, like, hey, I just need you to go down this road. That's all I'm going to tell you. Okay, I'll go down the road. Hey, I need you to just get a little bit closer to that caravan. That's all I'm going to tell you. Okay, I'll get a little bit closer. You know? I mean, I think that's, that's how we grow in just... I'm not going to give you the whole story of what's about to happen, right? Because you wouldn't grow in your faith if I told you everything. So, just stepping out. So, how can I pray for you? Listen. Okay. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you right now? Yeah? Great. Sometimes it ends right there, right? Like sometimes they got to go. Super busy. That's as far as you get sometimes. But, other times, hey, one of the reasons I like praying for people is because there was a time in my life when I was like that. (laughs) Do you have a story like that? Uh... Well, I mean, we used to go to church, but I haven't been to church, you know, since college. Stephen the Exterminator. You have a story like that? Yes, we used to be really involved in church, but honestly, since my wife left, we haven't been back to church. Okay? And then I'll listen, depending on where they're going, and I'll say, hey, can I share with you and just draw you a picture of something that somebody drew for me, and it just made more sense of my faith? Sure. You know, and so, is that you singing, Randy? <laughs> yeah, sorry, the recording. Um, so I'm going to show you uh, just a gospel tool that I use to kind of illustrate the gospel. So um, if you like, you, this is called three circles. Uh, if you like using the bridge diagram, or if you like using the colored bracelet, fantastic. Whatever you like using to explain the gospel. You keep using it. I don't get a commission from the three circles people uh, if you use it. I like it, and I'll explain why I like it, but um, don't feel like you have to, to use this. But uh, it's, it's one of the things that I've, I found really useful when describing it. So, uh, here it goes. So I'll say, uh, let me pick somebody else. What is your name, ma'am? Judy. Judy. All right. So I'll say, Judy, hey, can I draw something for you? Sure. Great. And if I have a piece of paper, great, I'll draw it. If I have a napkin, I can draw it. If I don't have anything to write with, I'll just talk it through. All right? So it's no big deal if I can't draw it. Just sometimes it, I'm a visual guy, so I like pictures. So I'll say, hey, Judy, you can kind of look at our world today and just see that there's all kinds of brokenness, right? I mean, from war and famine and terrorism. Our kids are growing up in the school shooting generation right now. I mean, it's pretty obvious how broken things are. But that wasn't always the case. In fact, when God created the world, he created his perfect design. And God's design was perfect. His relationship with us was perfect, and our relationship with each other was perfect. 
But at a certain point, all of us, including the very first people, decided that we were going to kind of run from God's design for our life. At a certain point, all of us have decided, you know what, I think my design for life is better. My design for relationships, my design for money, my design for success, fill the blank, whatever, is better than God's design. And when we do that and go outside of God's design, that's called sin. And that sin is what's led us into this brokenness, and so here we are. And now we're just trying to figure out how to deal with this brokenness, get out of the brokenness, numb the brokenness. And so some of us think, well, you know what, if I just made more money, that fixed my brokenness. If I just had a different job or a job, that would fix it. If I was in a different relationship with somebody else, that would probably fix it. I see this a lot in church. Uh, if I just go to church a lot, maybe that'll fix it. Or if I just do uh, some good deeds. Yeah. And while some of these things are good things, they can't solve this thing. And over time, they're kind of like rubber bands and just snap us right back into brokenness. But the good news is, is that the Bible tells us that God sent a rescue plan, and that rescue plan was Jesus. So Jesus came down to earth, and he lived a perfect life for over 30 years. And because of that, he then died on the cross in order to take on our sin, to take on my brokenness and your brokenness. So that when he rose again on the third day, he conquered sin and death and brokenness, which allows us to get back into God's design, allows us to get back into a right relationship with God. So now we have a choice. We can say, you know what? I think I'm just fine all by myself and in my own design. Or we can say, you know what? I want to turn from that. And I want to turn and trust and put my trust in Jesus and trust him for forgiving me my sins but it's more than just believing that there's a Jesus. It's saying, you know what? I want Jesus to be the king of my life. To be the king of these things that I keep holding on to. And I want to give him all authority with my life. And the Bible promises that when I do that, that I'm made new. And I'm in God's design. I'm in a relationship with God. So now Judy... When you look at this picture, I'm about to ask you three questions. When you look at this picture, Judy, where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself in brokenness, or do you see yourself through Jesus as your king in God's design? I actually see myself in brokenness. Okay. I'm one of those. Okay. So my second question, Judy, where would you like to be? I would like to be new. Okay. Over here in God's design. Yes. So my third question for Judy is, well, Judy, what's preventing you from trusting Jesus as your king? You know, nothing. I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking I needed to do this. Okay. Well, you know what? We can do this right now. In fact, we can just pray this picture. So Judy, we're going to pray, which is just talking. This is, that's a bad picture. 
I drew that upside down. There we go. This is me praying, right? This is the moment when I prayed to say, you know, I want to trust you. It's just me talking to God. And I prayed this picture. I said, you know what, God, thank you for loving me and creating me. And I know that I've run from, from your design for my life. And I know that I've sinned. And I know that because of that, I'm in brokenness. And I've tried to do all kinds of things to fix it, but I just can't do it. And so I want to turn and trust you. And I want to make you the king of my life. And I thank you for coming down and dying on the cross and rising again and conquering sin and death so that I can make you king of my life and get back into God's design. Would you want to do that today, Judy? Great. Now, they may not say that. They may say, well, first of all, the first question, they may say, well, uh, I'm right here. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Well, I mean, I'm not perfect, but I haven't killed anybody. So, okay. Uh, lady say, I, I think I'm right here. All right. Well, what does that mean? Well, I mean, I know I'm in brokenness, but I think I might be ready to do something about it. Okay. I had a friend of mine that I met taking comedy lessons at a stand-up comedy place called The Punchline, and we spent six weeks together, and Larry the firefighter, fireman, fi Larry the fireman was his name. And Larry was super nice, but he told the dirtiest jokes. And, and he consistently told the dirtiest jokes to the point where the instructor was like, you can't, can't say that, you can't, can't say that. And, um, and, and so Larry was kind of on my list of, man, I'd love to have a gospel conversation with this whole class, and Lord, would you, you know, make that happen? And so I had different conversations with different people. When I got to Larry, I drew three circles for Larry, and I said, Larry, where do you see yourself? And he goes, oh, I'm right here. I said, did you, did you hear this part over here? <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, okay. I said, well, tell me why you think you're over here. He goes, well, you know, I'm a good guy. Like, I just want to make people laugh, and I'm a nice guy. I'm not mean to people. I said, well, have you done this yet? Have you trusted Jesus as your king? No. No. I said, okay. And I said, well, what do you think about that? He said, no, I'm not ready. I said, well, why not? He goes, well, I'm not. And he shared he was trying to date three different women in three different states. And uh, <laughs> I'm not ready to give that up. I said, well, 30 minutes ago, you were talking about how miserable that was. Yeah. So for me, <clears throat> with Larry, this all went backwards. So the conversation started like, hey, what do you do? Uh, I'm at the church. You work at the church? Yeah, what do you do at the church? Well, let me show you what I'm working on at the church these days. I'd love to get your, your thoughts on this because uh, you're super funny. And I love to, you know. So I, did, I started off with three circles, right? We're just hanging out at the comedy club. Started with three circles. Ask him what he thinks. Not ready to do this. Okay. Um, well, I'm a good guy. I'm a nice guy. Well, that's funny, Larry, because there was a time in my life when I thought I was a super good guy, I was way more religious than you, and I was definitely out-gooding you when it came to being a good guy, because I was doing all this stuff at the church. But then I realized it's not about that. And now this. And what do you think about that? Let me talk some more. Still not ready. Okay. Well, before you leave, man, can I just pray for you? 
You pray for these relationships? Yeah. And, I mean, he was, um, he was emotional at the end of it. And he just gave me a hug. He said, man, I just, I just really appreciate that. So I just say that to say it's not this, this, and this. It's not this. It could be all these things. It could be one of these things. It could be some of these things. Now, I will say this, and this is where, what we're learning at our church. So we would have like, hey, does anybody have any gospel conversations they want to share? And they're like, ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I tried to pray for uh, my dry cleaner the other day. Great. What happened? Well, I said, how can I pray for you? And then she shared something, and I prayed for him. And then I grabbed my laundry, and then I drove off. Okay, cool. Did you, did you get to the gospel? So I just got to be careful. Like, just praying for somebody isn't sharing the gospel with somebody. Okay? Just sharing your story, potentially, could not be sharing the gospel either. Okay? So we just kind of want to help our folks. And you, I mean, I definitely was like, man, that was awesome. Because I know that was a huge step for this guy. All right, just to just to even take that step of faith and and pray for that person and ask how I can pray for that person, we definitely encourage that. But we also definitely want to make sure that we're trying to get here. It doesn't always happen. Doesn't always happen with me. But this is where we're. This is what we're aiming for. We're not aiming for prayers. We're aiming for the gospel. It's not a prayer conversation. It's a gospel conversation. So does that does that make sense? Because I just want to. I want to head you off of the past because that'll probably be a challenge for you guys as well because this is, in some ways, a lot easier than uh, this. All right, so let's see if uh, if you can turn to your partner and try and draw three circles, and you can use this up here as a guide. But I want you to just try and and walk your partner through it. Okay. All right, uh, I want to teach you a couple more things. If you didn't get a chance to go all the way through it, that's okay. Let's go and practice every day for three hours. Can, can I ask a question? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you some takeaways, so it'll have a completed version for you to take home. And then there's some there's some videos that we've got online that I'm going to give you a link to. Yeah. Yes, sir. I don't. I, I'm aware of it, um, and I would say it. Um, I don't have any problem somebody using it. It just uh, it's just a little more personal in my mind. Yeah. Just uh, sometimes I think if I was uh, not in America, if I was on a mission trip somewhere, I would probably use it. Um, it just comes across a little slick. I've tried it before, and it's kind of yeah, like... It's a little clunky. I mean, it's, it's a little clunky. It's a little bit different, uh, but it's not... I mean, it's certainly not bad at all. It's definitely uh, a good app. And, it, and if anything, it's it's a good training, like, to remind you, and, oh, yeah, that's what the circle is, and there's some some things it's, on it. It is an easy way, though, to say, hey, can I show you my app? Yes, you can. Yeah, it's an easy intro. Yeah. Um, so... I'm not gonna say don't use it. it just what? I like I like the the I just like writing stuff, and so you can you can change it up a little bit. Let me let me teach you some of the things, and I'll I'll do some more questions. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, you mentioned the, you were gonna tell us the reason you prefer this. Yes. So the reason I like this, 
Uh, not because of my great handwriting, but uh, I think it does the best job of describing, um, we use the phrase Lord and Savior a lot, but a lot of our gospel presentations are about the Savior piece and not the Lord piece. So it's like, do you want to go to hell forever? No. Trust Jesus. Okay. And then we wonder why they have a hard time going, you know, what's this whole authority and lordship and uh, peace? So I love the, the making Jesus as my king and talking about that a little bit and then describing some of these things. Not that you couldn't do that doing the bridge or some other things, but it just kind of more naturally for me kind of feeds into that so that in just a minute, when I, if somebody says yes and they pray to receive Christ, then the next thing I'm following up with is, a, is another kind of tool that I would meet with that person, you know, once a week and just kind of walk through some of what it means to make Jesus my king. So, like, I get, like, he just saved me from hell for eternity. What I don't get is how do I make him king right now kind of thing. So that's just, there's probably some other tools I could do that as well, but that's just one of the reasons I like like that. All right, so go to page three, and I'm, I'll stick around for more questions as well, so... Write down your questions so you don't forget. All right, what's question? Oh, so here's what I would do real quickly. So when we do gospel conversation workshops at our church, we've done a couple of different ways, but one of the main ways that we've done it is like on a Friday night. And we'll have barbecue or willies. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll feed you if you come. And then we'll provide... Uh, uh, Babysitter reimbursements, all right? And so, in other words, we'll feed you, and we'll take care of your kids. So we're kind of taking out a lot of excuses. And it's a Friday night. If you want to treat it like a date night, have at it, you know, kind of thing. And um, so we'll have, like, uh, or we'll have, a, you know, what do you call it, nursery here at the, at the church building. So we'll have nursery workers that will you know, provide care for the kids. So we, and when we did that, we found a lot more attendance, just FYI. So... Uh, what we would do is I would teach number one and two so they understand the identity and they have all the tools that they need to have a gospel conversation. And I'd do that in about an hour. And so after this is done, then I say, okay, great. You got everything that you need to have a gospel conversation. So we're going to send you out. And then, uh, we're going to let you go in twos or threes, no more than three, preferably. And I'd love for you to go to Target or the Avenue shopping area or Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or Starbucks or Kohl's or wherever you feel like God is leading you. I'm not going to tell you where to go, and please don't all go to the same place. Um, if you see somebody else, go the other direction, you know, kind of thing. And so there's a couple of places around our church that, you know, an easy five-minute drive. And uh, we'll say, hey, see if you can just offer to pray for two people, two different people in the next 40 minutes, and then come back. And so we're like, I don't know if they're going to come back. We, the first time we tried this, you know, kind of thing. And so everybody had that deer in the headlights, they had that sweaty upper lip, and they got up and they slowly walked out, you know, kind of thing. And 40 minutes later, everybody came back. And they had these great stories, right? So some people were like, I prayed for this person, and I've never done that in my entire life. 
I prayed for this person and I got to share my, my testimony. I prayed for this person and I got to do three circles. This husband and wife, they went and they went to Publix and the husband, it's always the husbands. The husband's like, I, I can't do this. I'm not doing this. You know, and he's walking around Publix and, and just kind of, and, I, and we would pray before we send him out, right? It's not us that's doing it. We don't save anybody. That's the Holy Spirit. And we see that and we're asking for the Holy Spirit to soften hearts and give us wisdom and discernment to know who to talk to. So we pray and then I encourage you to, before you get out of the car, when you park the car, just pray one more time before you get out of the car, right? So you're prayed up, and you just start walking around. So this couple goes to the Publix, and the, the husband's just, you know, whoo, he's scared. And, uh, and they're walking, and he goes to the deli section, and he sees the, the deli counter guy. He's slicing meat, you know, and cheese and whatever. And, and so he's like, I think I'm supposed to do it. I think I'm going to ask this guy. And so he walks up to the counter, and the guy says, can I help you? And he says, I'd like a pound of provolone. <laughs> and his wife is just kind of looking at him, just smiling. And so he's standing there, and he's telling the whole story to everybody. We're just dying and laughing. And I was like, Chuck, did you need cheese? He's like, oh, I didn't need cheese, you know. And uh, so the guy hands him his pound of provolone, a whole pound of cheese, you know. And he's like, actually, it's Christmas time, and I was just wondering if there's anything I can pray for for you. And they had this great conversation, you know. Another couple, they go to Old Navy. Husband gets all worked up, can't, you know, figure out what to do. So he runs into the men's dressing room. And he just kind of works himself up. And then he comes out and just sees, you know, a guy that's kind of shopping. And just like, hey, just one, we're just walking around, just see if we can pray for people. Yeah, you can pray for me. And it's just amazing. They come back and it's like, they didn't throw rocks at us. They weren't mad at us. Like, this is way easier than I thought it was, all right? And, uh, and so then we talk about three or four that we're going to talk about here in just a second. But the secret in the sauce is that if you just do training and don't send them out, it's just training. And they're going to forget about it next week. They're going to mark that box. Yep, I did that. And then it's done, right? What was three Sundays ago sermon about? You get my point, all right? Now, I guarantee you, if the preacher preached and then said, hey, we're all leaving the church right now, and we're all going to go wash feet, you would remember that, okay? So we send our kids to school, and they do the classroom, but they also do the lab work. I don't think any of us want somebody to do open-heart surgery on us that says, man, I did a great job of reading that book. Well, did you practice? No. Did you do any lab work? No. Did you stand next to another great surgeon and watch him practice? No. But I read the book. You know? Or I slept had a great night's sleep at Holiday Inn or whatever it is, you know, kind of thing. Right? So why do we do this with our own church? I'm just telling you, just send them out. And you go out, right? No, you don't just sit there with your coffee and, and go out. You, you go out too and take somebody with you or two with you and just model it, right? Just model it. That's what Jesus did. And we'll model this for a couple of years. And all of a sudden, I got 72 of you. I'm going to send you out. And then you come back. And of the 72, it's like, oh, this happened and this happened. And this group had a great one, this one. And then this group of guys come and they go, well, this guy, we didn't know how to handle this guy. And Jesus goes, oh, that. 
That guy, you got to pray and fast before you talk to that guy, right? So if we're going to be like Jesus, let's teach like Jesus and let's model and disciple like Jesus and send them out and come back. And I'd say that because we did this training with our Sunday school hour. And so for two Sundays in a row, we did all the Sunday school classes and we brought them all into five large areas and we taught them all for two weeks and we're patting ourselves on the back. So we got like 2,000 people all trained in this. Woohoo! Isn't that great? But we didn't send them out. And it just didn't stick. It didn't have the impact. So I encourage you to do that. So last Wednesday night, we did it on Wednesday nights. A little bit t- uh, shorter time. So I did my best to do it in an hour. And then I said, okay, we're sending you out. And I was going to send them out of the building. It was like torrential downpours, lightning, you know, everywhere. You know, so I was like, oh, you little faith. No. Uh, so I said, hey, walk around the church. Walk around the church hallways. It's Wednesday night. There's basketball leagues going on. There's RAs. There's choir. I said, I guarantee you there's some parents that are sitting, looking at their iPhones and waiting for little Billy to get done with RAs. You just walk around and see if you can pray for two people. So we sent out in different teams, and Paul's with me, and we walk down the stairs, and we get down to the bottom of the stairs, and in this little weird closet area of the stairs is a bench, and this young mom sit on the bench. So we walk up, and we say, hey, uh, don't want to bug you or anything like that, but we're just walking around, just wondering how we can pray for folks. Can we pray for you? And she's like, no, we're good, thanks. Okay, well, have a nice night. And I'm literally halfway out the door, and she goes, wait, 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 I just, I just thought of something. Okay. So my friend uh, is in ICU, or her husband's in ICU, and, you know, it'd be great if we could pray for them. Great. So, pray for them. And I said, hey, one of the reasons we like praying for people, Renee, is because there was a time in my life when blank and a blank. And do you have a story like that? She goes, no. Okay. Well, uh, can I draw something for you that kind of makes sense of my faith and might make sense of what we're talking about? Sure. Draw three circles. Where do you see yourself? Oh, I'm in brokenness. Well, why do you say that? Just trust me. I'm in brokenness. Okay. Where would you like to be? Well, I definitely want to be in God's design. Well, what's preventing you from trusting Jesus? Nothing. Well, do you want to pray and trust Jesus right here in the stairway closet door thing? Yeah. Well, let's do it. So Renee prayed to trust Christ in the church building. So after we're all done with this, it was already in my mind, but I didn't ask it until the end. And I said, Renee, what are you doing here? (laughs) She's like, oh, I got kids in RA and another kid in choir. Okay. So now we're going to try and get Renee connected. What I didn't say was, hey, congratulations, you're a Christian. Good luck. Hope you find a church. Hope you can get plugged into a Sunday Bible study as a single mom. We'll talk about that later. Sorry, it's a little soapbox. All right, so number three. So you come back, and they, they come back from going out, and they're super excited. because like, yeah, this is easy. This is great. It's not as scary as I thought it was going to be. And so we do something called, what's the next question? Woo! So write your name in the middle of that page. Who? Sorry, we're going a little bit over. But it's the gospel. It's okay. All right. So what I want you to do is just think of some people that are far from God in your life. It could be people at work. 
Yeah, it could be people at work. Could be people in your church building. Could be uh, people uh, in your neighborhood. Could be people in your family. And write their names down, right? So I got a neighbor named Dave. Got a, a David in my neighborhood. I've got a Joel. I've got a coach for T-ball, or not T-ball, but flag football. I've got some other stuff, right? So write those names down. If you can't think of any names, I want you to just write some circles, some empty circles. And then I want you to begin praying like, God, give me some names this week. Help me see some folks that are far from God that are just in my everyday life. And then I want you to write down some places that you go. Where do you go? You know, I go to, I go to the movies. I go to the gym. Our kids play sports, sports teams. And be praying for those areas that God would present some people in your life, all right? And this is just called an oikos map, which is Greek for great yogurt, and sphere of influence or family, okay? So who's in your sphere of influence that's far from God, okay? And just think about the ways that God is using you and the connections that you have. And I guarantee you, all these people, except for maybe one, I have no idea who my senior pastor is. Right? So it's not going to be the church staff that's going to save Josh. That's maybe be through me or my conversation or somebody else's. Okay? So that's the who. And then the last one. Oh, down here. We want to pray for, I forgot this last time. Pray for Bob. Right? Yeah. So Bob, B O B. I'm going to pray for burden, opportunity, and boldness. Lord, let me pray for, have a burden for these people in my life. Lord, I pray for opportunities to have gospel conversations with them. And Lord, give me the boldness when I see that moment to not miss out on it. And to take that extra step or extra time to have that conversation. Alright, and the last one is when... And this is just about setting goals. So could you set aside some time just to pray about it? When, when could you set aside some time each week just to be praying for gospel conversations? Maybe it's a certain day of the week. Maybe it's a certain time of the day. I've got an alarm on my iPhone. just goes off at 10.02 and just reminds me to pray for gospel conversations. And I think I'm always terrible with reference. I think it's Luke 10.2. Pray the Lord of the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Right? So pray. When could you be praying? Who could you share this with? So this took a little bit longer, but I could literally walk you through this 411 if we're sitting down over a Chick-fil-A sandwich by, before your lunch hour is over with. And I could just have a blank piece of paper. I say, hey, won't you and I grab lunch? And we have two pieces of paper. And I just do 411. You do it with me. And I just taught somebody over lunch how to do 401, right? Who could you share with this week? Just grab lunch or coffee or breakfast or whatever, or at your house or to your kids or your grandkids. 
And then who else could you share? And, and I talked about just with our staff, like we want to share, we're trying to train our staff. And then our staff was like, well, I can train uh, my volunteers in my area. And I've got preschool minister that's like, I want to train all of our preschool people because we have all kinds of young families coming in. And I want them to be trained to have gospel conversations with some of these families that who knows where they are in their faith. Deacons retreat, staff retreat, whatever. Small group leaders, okay? And then uh, train. When, when can we do some of this training? So if you're in a small group, maybe you can set aside a night to train your whole small group or your Sunday school class or your Sunday Bible study class or whatever. Whatever God's giving you some influence in. Set aside and maybe pray about some time to, to train them and say, hey, let me just show you something. All right, I'm sorry we went over time. Does anybody have any questions? Talking about the handouts. Yes, thank you. So, this on your way out, you'll see one of these. This is a, a completed version of what your little handy dandy tool should look like. And then this is what we call a following Jesus um, tool. So if Judy said yes to Jesus tonight, and I'm not certain that she's going to get plugged into church right away. I'm not even certain where she goes to church. I'm not certain that she's going to get in a small group. Um, I, want to, I want to make sure that she's got some foundation in her new faith. And so I'm going to find a way for somebody to come alongside Judy and say, Hey, would you and Judy grab coffee maybe next week? And just look at one of these truths that Jesus says is important. Because if you want to know what it means to follow Jesus, we need to learn more about Jesus. So that's what I'm doing with a young guy, young professional, who just marked a card at our church. Like, I just want to grow my faith. And so I said, hey, would you want to meet once a week? And just walk in what it means. And so we've been meeting at Chick-fil-A the last eight weeks. And you just look at one of these truths, but the questions are the same each week. Okay, so on our website at johnsonferry.org, we have a global ministries page, and on our global ministries page, we have a gospel conversations page, and on that page, we've got videos that will retrain you and teach you and remind you how to do care through prayer a video for 15-second testimony, a video for three circles. We've got that PDF of following Jesus, and we've got a PDF of the 411 on there as well. So you have all the tools that you need to now go and train your folks. Uh, my contact information is on there as well, so feel free to call me, email me, if I can be of help at any time. Except after 11 p.m.